Hey everybody, Jim Duncan. Welcome to Sweat the Details by Nesta Realty. Sitting here after having just finished a conversation with Russ Edwards with Tiger Solar here in Charlottesville. And we talked about residential solar, the growth of solar, what's on the horizon for solar, and uh, what consumers should do as they're getting educated about whether installing solar on their home is the right thing for them. Hope you enjoy the show. Jim Duncan sitting here with Russ Edwards with uh, Tiger Solar based here in Charlotte, Virginia. Uh, Greg Slater, one of our associate brokers here at Nest. Um, you know, Russ, we're sitting here in a, a sunny room. It's getting a little bit warm. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's a int- good intro for you to say, who are you? What do you do? And what are you doing here? Yeah, well, yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me here. Um, I am mostly just a dude that lives in Charlottesville. Um, I live two, three blocks that way behind the dairy market. Okay. And... Um, I uh, live here with my wife and my four children, elementary school through high school, and I've been doing construction and renewable stuff for about 20 years here in okay. Charlottesville, um, and the last three years have been operating Tiger Solar. So what is Tiger Solar? We are an EPC. We're an engineering procurement, and, and we're a contract, solar contractor. Um, we design and we build solar projects, and we do that for the residential industry and for the commercial industry. And we also service um, other people's solar projects. So some other contractor has built it in the past. Um, they're they're not around, or their service is suffering for some reason, and we can step in and take care of those property owners or building building owners, those um, homeowners that have a project. How so? Solar's been taking off in the last few year, eighteen, twenty four months. It feels like it's kind of big, yeah. What is what have you seen as is really spurning that? Well, like why why are people more interested now in solar than they were ten years ago? It's uh, a good question. So, yeah, it's there's a little bit of snowballing. Um, you know, ten ten years ago, if you saw one solar system on top of one roof every hundred houses, it just looked unusual. And it, and, it, and it was, it was somebody who was an early adopter. It was somebody who maybe the financing made sense clearly 10 years ago, or they just had a long-term trajectory. Um, but they were willing to take some, some risk and just, you know, try it out, move forward with it. In the last five years, that's really changed so that um, it makes clear financial sense um, most of the time, many, many times. Um, and so it's become more, more common as you see, okay, you know, two, three, four of my neighbors or fellow business owners have it, have had a really good experience with it. Um, you know, I think that compounds willingness to look at it. Um, you you know, know, I, I think about 10, I looked at my app before I got here uh and it was, this is my 10th year with solar. So when Jim asked that question, I was going to ask the same question, but I wanted to look at over a decade and because it's been an interesting, from my vantage point, ebb and flow of the popularity of it. And I think we live in a little bit of a, I have a skewed point of view because there's the right places and wrong places for solar in some cases. Yeah. And there's no yeah. perfect place in our market than an area like Crozet. And that's because you have hundreds of energy efficient homes built in new communities with no trees around them. Yeah. Right. right. So those homes are ready for solar, but not every home may be ready for solar and they don't understand if they're ready for solar and things like that. But can you speak to the, the, you know, and then we also had our own local conditions, right? A bunch of people jumped into the market. Not all of them are still here. Have we settled into um, a place where it, it, what's the 
degree of difficulty of helping people who are interested in solar get over the hurdles and what are those hurdles that they consider? Yeah, I mean, most people have a, maybe a, my experience is most people have kind of an intuitive understanding of like plumbing in the walls, electrical in the walls, and how an HVAC system, it makes things cooler, it makes things hotter, and um, so, sort of a lot of that, a lot of those components that are much more mature, the industries are much more mature, and the adoption rate is, you know, 100, you know, 99%, 100%. Right. Um, when it comes to solar, um, you know, it's still a young industry. It's still, and you know, we, we're still in an early adoption world. I think we're getting past that um, now in the last few years where it's become more of a commonplace um, technology investment to look into. But people still have, you know, vastly different ideas when they walk in the door of what is solar going to do for them. Some people think it's going to, you know, um, power their neighbor's home, power their home. Um, they're never going to be a, need to be on the grid anymore. They're going to sell power back to the power they're company. They're going to sell power. That's right. So, and, and that's that's totally understandable. You know, uh, that that. So popping with a key term on that, that you're re you're referencing net metering is where you set up, sell it back to the power company. Uh, good question. Net metering means um, you produce a kilowatt hour and you receive a kilowatt hour credit. It's a one to one. Um, my solar system made a kilowatt hour. The utility is going to honor and give me a credit of a kilowatt hour on my bill. Okay, that's what net net metering, and that's that's Virginia. Other um, uh, other states, other utilities uh, in other parts of the country may have different shades of how they do that. But you, if you start with that one-to-one -one correlation, then you can begin to understand how other utilities across the country um, do that do that transaction. Do you have any visibility into it? I mean, I, I looked at the, the stats. It looks like from 20 to 21, there's a 30% increase in residential solar in the U.S., we're one of the top five countries as far as adoption rate. Yeah. Have you seen any parts of, you know, any trends from the other countries that are coming here as far as technology or um, how it's being placed on properties or anything like that? Oh, that's a really good question, Jim. Um, I don't know that I'm the best person to speak to. And we can cut that. I mean, yeah, inter international trends versus here. Um, one thing that one thing that makes that a very clunky process is mm -hmm. that each utility, each state, each country has very different rules and regulations on what can be done. Okay. And so, and very different economics. So in Hawaii, um, batteries took off in the Caribbean, batteries take off very quickly. Um, in states where you have a time of use rate, this is kind of getting in the weeds, but it's not a one-to-one, -one. you know, if you, your midday uh, at, at noon, you're paying six cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, you're, you're buying kilowatt hours at six cents, but at nine p.m., you're buying it at twenty cents. Right. Um, those are states where batteries, that technology, is adopted much more quickly because there's there's an economic argument for that. But in other states, so, so it's just it gets really it's so the utility world is so disintegrated, not you know the same from county to county at some, at, you know, I'm just, think, I'm just thinking about Texas, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so let me step back. Yeah. yeah as, as you got into the weeds there. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a weedy environment, if you will. What are uh, two or three questions that a buyer 
uh, of solar should ask yeah, or, yeah. or a buyer of a home with solar should ask. Thank you. So um, the, the, the weeds is where we often get to quickly. And what we try to do is, Hey, let's, let's make this really simple for all of your life, for all of our parents and some of our grandparents' lives who had electricity, electricity was an expense. The only category we knew was to buy electricity from a utility. There was no world in which we could, you know, have the analogous of building a well in your backyard and getting your own water. Um, that changed in the past 20 years, uh, 25 years, to where we have a new technology. It's actually not new. It's 60 years old now-ish. Or if you go back to Orsted, you know, 100 and something years old. Um, and you can produce your own energy at your property for your use. And that's, that's where we like to start is to say, hey, we have a very different paradigm for changing an expense into an investment. Um, it's analogous to saying, look, you've rented your whole life. You've rented houses, your dad, your dad, your mom, your grandparents rented. Like there was no paradigm for owning your own home. There is now a paradigm for owning your own energy. And instead of for the next 25 years, having zero payback, zero payback to keep paying the utility. Now you have an opportunity to have any payback, which is awesome. Um, you have an opportunity to, you know, instead of paying 100, 200, 300 bucks a month as an expense out the door, it's gone to change that into an investment that has a return. So Greg, I'll push that back to you is he's talking about the investment. Have you seen people in an in, in increase in the ability of, for the people touching a transaction, realtors, appraisers, buyers, sellers, placing a value on solar? Because five, seven years ago, if that even, you know, even sooner, solar was regarded as a utility that didn't have value. A hundred percent. I think, you know, since my uh, adoption of solar 10 years ago, you know, I was connected to it for a variety of reasons uh, across the spectrum. I actually appreciate the economic considerations, which we can talk about, which we simplified back then as bulk buying power at a fixed price, right? And that that's the rent renting versus owning conversation, right? You're that's right. giving money to a landlord that never comes back versus paying down the principal on your that's mortgage. Right. And that's what that power is doing, is paying down the cost you spent. Yeah. Um, the, the other end of that spectrum is actually having an appreciation for doing something that is helpful to the environment if you believe in doing things that are more helpful to the environment. And I happen to do that. So I, I got it on a variety of levels. Yep. But from the value conversation in real estate, it, it gets a little more complicated. And we've made tremendous strides in that because what I explain to people is we, if you talk to an appraiser, you don't appraise solar and parts and labor. You appraise the value of solar based on the value of the energy it produces. And so appraisers have created forms and formulas for the ones that are trained on how to figure out what solar is worth that's not brand new on a home that's not brand new that's being sold. Does that make sense? Without getting weedy and detailed, if, you, if you're driving down the street and you see a house that has solar, what is your first thought as far as value? It adds value. Okay. And I say that because 10 years ago, I, you know, we've all had people come to us and say, there's solar. Does that, does that affect the value of the house? I'm like, well, well yeah, I will give aesthetically it, I think it's becoming much more common. And so 
as something brand new, as you were mentioning earlier, Russ, yeah. it's like, oh, that's that's solar and that's that's ugly. And now it's like, oh, that's solar. I'm going to pay less money. Well, let me take it as simple as I looked at my I look at my app not as frequently as I used to. What app? An app on my phone that tells me the production of my solar panels. I mean, you can actually scroll day by day if you want and tell if it was sunny or not based on the little graphic shows. Mm-hmm. So you can look backwards and see what the weather was like. But, you know, the first thing I would say about solar providers and installers like yourself, when they tell you this is how much solar you're going to make over the next 25 years, they're incredibly accurate by looking at long-term weather patterns and the exposure and the I mean, my graph for what I make on an annual basis is like a straight line across the top in the first 10 years. Now, that can degrade a little bit over time, which is getting in the weeds. But at the end of the day, the solar panels on my house, um, on average, have produced about $600 worth of power a year, uh, 600 to $800. And then um, I'm at the point where they're about paid off. So mm-hmm. w- what is the value of six or $800 a year that I don't have to spend on power? and the solar panels are paid off. There's a value to that. And that's the math they use to figure out what they're worth going forward. Because it's gonna make, my solar panels are guaranteed to make roughly that level of production for the next 15 years. That's so, where the warranty ends. So, I mean, I, 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 I hear that and I think that it, that's when you know, representing clients, it's, it seems like it's less of a financial benefit and more of a psychological benefit to, to the planet, if you will. Because it, because it's the ba- the buyback time is what fifteen years give or take with that I think it's closer to I think it's closer to ten because there's, yeah. you have renewable energy credits and some so things like credits. that. Yeah. But again, I think it, it's one where if you're making a direct investment in your home, solar might be the second or third thing you do from an upgrade perspective. But it's one where you're going to have that confidence of knowing that you know, you're off you're a little bit off grid, not going to be fully off grid, and you're saving money every month. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, whoa, couch. Um, yeah, that, that's fair. I, I typically think of the payback as a red herring. Okay. Um, what, why? Um, because you're, you're starting with you, you, it, the question to me, it presupposes that there's any payback anywhere else. Um, you know, your kitchen renovation or your HVAC or you're paying the utility, you know, two, $300 a month, hundred right. to $300 a month. There's zero payback for, um, paying the utility, you know, that money, right. Thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars a year, whatever that is for you. Zero payback money out the door. It's just a strict expense. You, it's pay to play. You, if you want to live there, that's out the door. So what we're what we are trying to help our customers quickly understand is this is an investment vehicle. Now there's, there's, it's a lot of other things too, Mm -hmm. but it's at least an investment vehicle and it's at least, and it should be if done well, an all but guaranteed investment for 25 years. That's based on the module manufacturer credit, you know, high credit worthiness of the module manufacturers. And they are giving, a guarantee that those modules are going to produce for 25 years plus, and they're only going to degrade down to 90% by 25 years. That's why we start with that time frame, Right. And we look at that and say, okay, if you have 10, 20, 30, $40,000, whatever that system to cover your bill is going to be, why would you take that $10,000, that $1 and put it into this investment versus a mutual fund or a bond or anything else? If you've got it, 
And this is really speaking of sort of cash investment and there's other ways of approaching right. it. We look at that and start saying, okay, based on the incentives you can get and the tax credit you can get and the, um, depending where you are, if there's a solar um, rec or if there's a um, you know renewable energy credit, yada, 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 like lots of weeds, this is equivalent to a 6% return on investment um, over that 25 year period. So now the question is, is it better for me to invest here or invest somewhere else? Now, just an investment question. But when we look at that, we see, oh, you know, this specific house can have a 10% uh, internal rate of return for 25 years. Um, on commercial properties, especially with some of the USDA REAP grants that are available in loads of areas, um, we've seen IRRs of 20, 25%. It's one of the first times that I've heard it re viewed that way, as far as from an investment vehicle saying, you know, there aren't many investments you can go buy a, a bond or a T-bill or whatever and say, oh, you're going to get X percent per year guaranteed right? as much as anything's guaranteed right. for 20 plus years. Yeah. And this is a very, very low risk. It should be, if you work with the right contractor and they do it well, it should be an extremely low risk investment. This is like bond to conservative mutual fund kind of investment. That's fascinating. Uh, so from a, from a, on that point, you're talking about the good contractor, right? I, I know how I can, how I can advise people to find the right agent for them. Like, you know, I know the right questions to say, here's how you vet whether Greg's any good for you, you know, but from a coming in blind, what's a, what are two questions that, a, that you know, there are some way that a buyer or a realtor can help a buyer evaluate whether that contractor is good? Oh, that's a great question. Um, two questions. Uh, the two, the first two that comes to mind are, are you local? Okay. And the second question is, are you guys turnkey? What do you mean? Do, do you do it all? Do you design it yourselves? Um, do, if I'm talking to a salesperson, are you an employer an employee of this company or are, are you an out, you know, am I dealing with an out, am I dealing with a brokerage? that just outsources the sales, the design, the construction, the service? Um, or am I dealing with some, someone who does all of those? Now, a, a, brokerage, a brokerage can do it well, but they normally don't. Okay. And normally, what ha what's happened all over the country, over and over and over and over and over, is that the brokerage model of outsourcing everything, having great marketing and branding, it's really pretty. Um, but it, it over expands and then it implodes over and over and over. And over. Well, the, the analogy I want to make, cause those aren't the, two, those are, that was a great answer. Cause I'm sitting here thinking about it as someone who talks to people about solar a lot. What two questions would I recommend that they ask? And while I didn't think of those in that time frame, we had to think about it. Those were really good answers because it made me think about the same thing for a lender, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you want a local lender and you want somebody, you want to know where they are in the, business model of handling that money and whose money is it and how they're getting paid yeah. and, and are you dealing with someone who's going to be there to stand behind their product and their problems when and they occur the unfortunate thing is not that not that any one of those models in a vacuum is bad necessarily there are advantages and disadvantages but in the solar world the unfortunate thing is if you if someone comes and knocks on your door um midday um you are not going to know, is this a local, do they do all the work themselves and how well do they do that? Or are they a brokerage? And that becomes really unclear in that sales process. 
do you do the work yourselves? Yes, we do. But what they mean is we contract the work ourselves. We subcontract it to someone else ourselves. I like that answer so much because sometimes I talk to people who are predisposed to be Mm anti-solar or not believing in it. And they always start with the, the horror stories of the companies that have come and gone. And, and tend to put a spin on it like the whole thing's not legitimate. Yeah. So longevity and, and financial stability. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, the the landscape out there right now, we're, you know, let's say we're 20 to 30 years into this industry, and that's generous 30 years ago. I mean, I, honestly, I think it's like five to seven. Is, right. Is, is, I mean, yes, it's been there, but like we have a local agent in Charlottesville who was doing it 30 years ago. But... He That's was an, right. He was an anomaly. Yeah. Whereas now I think the, the prevalence of it in my neighborhood, you see solar everywhere. Greg's, you see solar everywhere. I see other markets that we track. The solar adoption rate is getting greater and greater and greater. But that happened with just within the last handful of years. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years ago, if you start, <laughs> I don't know if you could publish this, but 30 years ago, it seems like you were probably a mad genius if you started a solar yeah. company. Yeah. 20 years ago, you were probably... Um, crafty, probably a little hippie, and environmentally like that's why you did it twenty years ago. Right. Ten years ago, you started maybe for those reasons, but also it's going to be a business. It's going to be you know, it's going to produce capital. So I, you know, you're 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 we're all local here, but for the, for the listeners not from here or not 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 aware of it, Tiger hasn't always been in the solar business. I mean, yeah. What, what was what was Tiger originally? Yeah. So and why would they said originally where were you? And second is why? Yeah, Um, our particular makeup is um, there's kind of two stories that converged. Um, One is I'll start on the solar side. One is in 2004, um, a guy named Paul Risberg who'd been in finance who wanted to start over um, started a company called Alt Energy Incorporated, and they began doing. PV, photovoltaic solar, what we think of, you know, glass panels on a roof. And he, and they started doing um, solar thermal um, using the sun's um, heat to uh, transfer heat to a, um, a tank, a water tank. Rolled out with, in 2004, 2005, doing those two things. Um, 17, 18 years later, um, had a great sort of a cult following uh, with, their, with people who had worked for them. Just really great customer experience. Um, custom jobs had a real niche um, here in Virginia and a few other locations. At that time, 2017, 2018, um, here starts the the second story. Tiger Fuel, um, who goes back to 1982 here in Charlottesville, David Sutton um, founded that company back in 1982. His sons Gordon and Taylor Sutton took over the business in the early teens, uh, 2010s. Um, they were very interested in solarizing their properties and went out to RFP, uh, put, put an RFP out to solicit, you know, um, a solar contractor for this. They by, by far had the best experience with alt energy through the RFP process. And so began hiring alt energy to, um, solarize their properties. So what I heard is that a a fuel company. Yeah bought into a solar company. Yeah. Tiger fuel, um, historically delis, oil and gas, car washes, 
Sorry, I'm smiling over yeah, here because yeah. the Bel Air sandwiches that I grew up with, <laughs> for, they, they started the gourmet gas station trend or, you know, in Charlottesville and it spread around the country. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think that it, I, I find it fascinating that, it, that a, a fuel company yeah. who's done propane, gas, all that stuff, in yeah. the, you know, the, in the non-renewable resource sees an opportunity to buy into a renewable resource uh, yeah. business. Yeah. Because hopefully... That's the future of where we're going. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, from a distance, and I had this suspicion too in 2020 when I first started talking to Gordon and Taylor. I didn't know them personally. I knew Tiger Fuel had this great reputation in town. Uh, if you're listening from somewhere else, they're the kind of company that you see handing over big checks to a school or to a local nonprofit. Um, they are the kind of company that gets voted, you know, best employee, uh, employer of the year for, you know, whatever year in a row. They really take care of their employers, employees. They really take care of their customers. Um, they do, um, for example, do a lot of home heat in central Virginia, and it is hard to find a cus- customer that doesn't applaud and praise them over some of the national brands that do the same thing. Um, and in a space where we've had some turbulence with, because most solar companies are startups, right? Yeah. And, and when you have a complete startup of an organization, there's always going to be risk involved if the people running it sure. are going to have the ability to manage it in a way that is sustainable. So. When I learned of Tiger companies getting into the solar space, and the, I, I was actually super excited about it because that company definitely yeah, has the history and the brand and the and the commitment to the community right. that is it all aligns with what we need behind a solar resource in this market. Yeah, and, and Alt Energy had all the good stuff and fragile stuff of a startup, of a, of a mom-and-pop shop, all of the good service, but also all the the fragility of, are they going to make it? They're on a shoestring. How, you know, will they survive? If you invest big dollars with all energy, are they going to be around in five years or 10 years? Um, that's just, you know, that's the world of a startup business. I mean, that's why we, when, you know, from, from Greg, Greg, and my perspective, it's why we tell our clients, you know, we'll be here when, when you're, when you're ready for the next yeah. phase of your life Yeah, is because we will be here, which I not, I think that not every business has that, you know, the lack of fragility and that stability and the confidence. Right. One step back, to something you mentioned earlier, like Hawaii has one of the, I think they're the highest adoption rate of, of solar in, in the, in the U S yeah. then California. Um, you mentioned batteries. What's the adoption rate locally and, you know, in, in the Eastern seaboard, if you, if you know, yeah. uh, for battery storage and is that the next thing in the evolution of solar package? Yeah. My, uh, you know, sitting here in central Virginia, my perspective on batteries is that in many states, it's still early days. Um, in some states where you have time of use rate schedules, where that makes an economic, creates an environment where there's an economic argument for uh, batteries. It's not just the, you know, trending gadget, and it's not just, um, ba- it's not just backup or security. It's not, not just a generator. Um, but when there's an, uh, an immediate economic argument, you see the adoption rate scale because it can really work with solar brilliantly. Um, in central Virginia, we don't have that time of use schedule. And, um, so we don't have, so when we talk to customers, we make it, you know, we want them to understand really quickly, Hey, this is a currently a substitute for, um, a generator. Is that what you're, how, how important that is, is that to you, um, for this to be electric and for this to be, um, quiet and reliable and lots of other things that are great about batteries, but, um, that, you know, that's, that's different. So adoption right here in Virginia is 
very low in terms of batteries versus batteries and you know solar and so pure, sort of not not pure luxury but a luxury choice and i say because I, I have a client who you know he, he bought two battery packs and he bought yep. two electric cars and yeah. he has solar and he said it was what else was i gonna do yeah and that's that, that's right that stage of life yeah i i can probably count on both hands right the number of batteries that i've seen but they've been added in the new construction yeah, yeah, you know. So I they think if work. you're building a a higher performing home and 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 you have that opportunity to invest and maybe finance it over the life of that mortgage, and that's where it can start to make more economic totally. sense faster. Totally. Uh, but generally speaking, if if you own a home and you're thinking about solar and batteries, like you said earlier, there may be a conversation in between those investments you need to make. Uh, to, you need a holistic approach to what your how your house is consuming energy, and then how you want to provide that energy at the end of the day. Because I'll often tell people they're trying to lower their cost of operation of their home, and I'm like, well, you have a 500 gallon propane tank in your yard. The solar is not going to offset the consumption <laughs> yeah. of that gas. Yeah, you know, the first step might be getting rid of that gas furnace, or in some cases, even older types of equipment. Yeah, heating homes. We we end up doing a lot of rough ends, and I think a lot of other. Um, Local solar companies are doing the same. Where we're doing the the, the solar because it's um, many many times a no brainer, and instead of adding that battery now, we are making sure that it's compatible to do that later because so it, it, it is continuing to so scale. So future proofing, if you that's will. right. So Russ, any and I'll put it to Greg too. I'll start with Greg. Greg, any final thoughts you would share with with the audience about your experience with solar and then and off the Ross? If if you're curious about it, I think you just have to engage with a professional like. Russ and his company because it's a different conversation around every house right and at the end of the day we need power or energy to fuel our homes and there's a cost to that and there's a different source of getting it now that we've never had until recent years and you just have to do that evaluation understand it and once you get that level of understanding I think it'll lead you down a path where you can decide if it's right for you or not so I would say interject that you know when any agent in this in this in this world has people, you know. You know, we have HVAC text. We can we can text while we're doing an inspection. We have a, a plumber. We have a roofer. Handy people, but they're harder to come by. Uh, but no, I mean, I think that now we're building the relationship with, with Tiger. Uh, as far as you know, I'll text Russ or whomever that say, "Hey, I've got a dumb question. How can I help my client?" Uh, so I think that that my takeaway would be: if you're an agent, find that find and build that relationship. If you're a consumer, you do the same. We're find an agent who's well versed in, the, in this arena to help you ask those again I, I always say dumb questions if i'm entering a new space but ask those questions that you need that you need to know as you move forward so russ yeah uh we were talking about this before we got started i mean i think getting a quote i mean i know that sounds very salesy but i i mean i think getting a quote is a great way to just go through uh wh whether you're 100 percent intent or two percent intent on you know moving forward i think it's a great idea you also will vet out really quickly you know if you're saying hey are you local are you turnkey the answers that you get to that question will um, answer a, an invisible third question was, does this experience feel good? You know, am I getting a weird gut reaction to the person talking to me? Do they feel like they're just throwing stuff at the wall? Do, do they feel trustworthy? Do I get, you know, what does my gut say about this? And that often will begin to tell you, yeah, this is the kind of company and person I want to do business with versus eh, something just doesn't feel right here. It's yeah. feels high pressure feels, you know, they're walking out to the car to give me a, you know, 10 minutes to make a decision. Right. I, I would walk away from that stuff. Yeah, trust your gut. Yeah. So our podcast is called sweat the details. 
what is one detail that you sweat every day? Um, I sweat callbacks, uh, not people calling us and, you know, not, not, um, uh, not necessarily that we're getting a call that a system isn't working or something's wrong with that. I, I work really, really good, um, at taking care of that stuff. But what I really sweat is my team and, and our being very consistent with returning calls promptly, with being super responsive, with making sure that nobody ever had to double click, you know, come back to us. And I, I think it's, I don't know entirely why I just think customer service is the Holy grail mm -hmm. and doing it consistently and doing it well. I think it's like a, a calling that every business should have and aspire to and like be just doggedly determined. People are really important and there's a lot of noise out there and it's really busy and really fast and it's so hard to do. Um, but we just want to answer the phone and call people back. I mean, I know it's like super simple, but love it. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Um, Russ, thank you, Greg. Thank you. Uh, y'all hope you enjoy the show. Thanks.